Good morning, Sun Valley Church. Welcome back to The Voice of the Valley. I'm Jeremy Pinch, and in the room with me today, I have both Pastor Rick Whitmer and Pastor John Schubert. And today, we are going to be looking at Holy Week. This Sunday marks the beginning of Holy Week with Palm Sunday, and the following Sunday, we'll conclude Holy Week with the resurrection of Christ on Easter Sunday. So today we're going to be talking about what it means to make the most of our Holy Week coming up. So men, thank you for being here. Thanks for having us again. Yeah. I feel like this has become a regular occurrence. Yeah, we, we went through a time where it was just one of you, and, and then now it's both of you. It's yeah. good to be back. I kind of feel bad. I never, wasn't getting invitations for quite a while. I'm not <laughs> certain what was going on there. I should go back and listen to those podcasts. But uh, nah. <laughs> no, no, yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> Don't do that. We, we were just talking about changing, you know, the doctrine of the church or attempts to change the doctrine of the church, and that's that's mostly what those podcasts were. Yeah. So I wouldn't I wouldn't go back to yeah. that. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. No, that would go really poorly for us. No, um, next week, thank you for bringing that up. Next week on the podcast, we have a, uh, we will have a very good and interesting uh, podcast on loyalty in the church. We have a couple families who will be coming in, and we'll be ta- we'll be discussing loyalty to to the local church, specifically here at Sun Valley Church. So. Uh, make sure are you, you are you going to be on that podcast? I'm. I, I think so. Yeah. Are, is John? I, I, I think that uh, Jeremy is going to be the host of Voice of the Valley once yeah. again. Oh, yeah. And you're going to be on it. Lord willing, I think. Yeah. So if we're talking about loyalty to the church, <laughs> and I'm the one guy who wasn't invited, <laughs> I'm kind of wondering what what you guys are don't wonder. planning it's, on it's, talking. It's about. very clear. Don't wonder. <laughs> well, it will be. <laughs> So John and I, minus Rick, will be talking about loyalty in the church next week uh, with a few other families. I'm I'm excited, and I know John's excited. Yeah, that'll, be uh, good. that'll be a good one. So, but today we're talking about making the most most of our Holy Week that will be coming up next or this Sunday rather. And so this Sunday, obviously, we'll we'll be celebrating uh, Palm Sunday, and it seems like during this time of the year. Holy Week can come and go pretty pretty quickly without ever really giving a thought to it with the warmer weather, although it's not warm right now for whatever Snowed reason. yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> usually, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, looking up to the hills, there's... Yeah, it was snowing last night at my house. That's insane. Yeah. That's insane. But usually there's warmer weather uh, during this time. And uh, we have summer coming up, and so there's there's a lot happening during this time of the year where Holy Week can really just come and go without much thought happening. Unlike Christmas, where we have a whole month where we're preparing for that one day in which we celebrate the incarnation of Christ. So for you two, how can we slow down during this upcoming week and prepare as families, as individuals, as a church uh, to celebrate such a monumental point in the Christian life and really in, in, in history? How can we slow down to celebrate such an important event? I think that uh, there's many uh, churches that, that do that, attempt to do that. 
we've done it in the past, even here at Sun Valley, and that is to observe Lent. Mm-hmm. In the same way that we observe Advent, which is that five-week preparation for the celebration of the Incarnation, uh, we could and we have been intentional in, in observing the idea of Lent mm-hmm. in our church, and other churches do that you know, annually. And there are, you know, I think last year or the year before, we offered um, different resources to our people that they could read during the Lent season um, to encourage their processing, their their meditation on this holy week, the, this really high week mm. in the Christian calendar, um, and more intentionally. So that those, those things are are things that we've offered our people before and that we've done before and I think are good and we'll probably return to again. But you're right, it can, like anything, if, if you don't, if you're not intentional, it, it can just kind of come and go and, you know, you're on with your busy life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as Christians, we need to look at the Christian calendar, think about what it represents and how important these things are to us and, and be a little more intentional about it. Yeah. So... It's kind of a weird, uh, it is kind of weird that, you know, Christmas gets, you know, this extended season of preparation a lot of times and we don't, you know, without, you have to be more intentional about uh, coming up to Good Friday and Easter. I think part of the reason for it, I think there's a couple reasons. Um, One is that we have pretty stupid traditions that (laughs) that surround Easter in America, right? Mm -hmm. There's vestiges of some really meaningful Christmas traditions that, are, that still linger, um, even in popular culture, even though they've completely divorced those from the meaning of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a lot easier to reclaim those. But where's the, where'd the Easter Bunny come from? Like, you know, there's just not as much stuff that's meaningful to help people think about the resurrection of Christ yeah. um, and his death. Another is the fact that, that we essentially celebrate a mini Easter every week. Um, that's what. That's why we worship on Sunday, mm-hmm. and so every week our corporate worship has a cadence of Easter to it, um, that the gospel is declared. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the Advent, um, you know, there is that season of more unique preparation for it because it's not something we talk about necessarily as much. Um, uh, something that can be really meaningful is so is. Taking a taking your family or yourself going through a book that focuses on the life of Christ or the meaning of the Passion Week. Um, there are some really good ones out there that that are not long. Mm-hmm. That and that can be a way of devotionally thinking toward. Yeah, the, the resource that we provided, I think last year was by trip, and it was a forty day devotional mm-hmm. that oh, yeah. followed each day of the Lent season. Yeah. Um, that's similar to our Advent type of things. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and I think I think it, you know what Rick is saying is true, except that except that I think that the only reason it's not a big deal to us is because we haven't made it a big deal. Right. It is a big deal, but because of some of the reasons Rick mentioned, um, it kind of gets shuffled. Yeah. You know, I don't think intentionally. Um, I, I think it's just a byproduct of being in our camp theologically. Um. So I, I, I think that there are some, you know, practices and, and you know, church groups that that do a way better job of focusing on preparing the heart um, for this time of year than others. 
uh, and our like our like our camp is traditionally uh, less intentional about Easter, mm-hmm. and I think we should you know work to resolve that a bit. Yeah. It'd we, be great we if we came up with some actually good traditions. Yeah, that would be a wonderful brainstorming project. <laughs> and we do have some church. good traditions that are related to Easter, yeah. right? We we practice Monday Thursday at our church, uh, both as a total group and as small groups. Mm-hmm. That's a, a good church tradition. Not that we came up with, obviously, but but that we've practiced for quite some time, I think since our initiation. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's the Good Friday service that we have that's been very meaningful and a favorite of our people since the beginning of our, of our church um, back in 2003. There's the... the you know, the early bird sunrise service that we do that our, a lot of our people really enjoy and are there regularly. So we have some traditions. I think the, the place we might lack and fall down and fall short is the idea of the, our encouragement to our body to think of this as individuals and as families mm. as we move towards Holy Week. Mm-hmm. And I think we can improve on that. And and we've made some attempts, like I said, um, but that can be something that we can always improve on. I, I think our worship leader should probably be somewhat involved in that whole thing to you know, really, I guess, legitimize his paycheck. Hmm. Um, and and seal his loyalty. Yeah. I, yeah. Think, I think that would be appropriate. Okay. Um, we'll talk to him. Yeah. If you see him, let me know. We'll, we'll go and talk to him together. <laughs> Yeah, I'm actually taking next week off, so. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's, that's my what one. that email was about. <laughs> hey, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing next week? That's my that's my one vacation. Still play piano. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, John, when you when you had your kids in the house when they were younger, what what were some things that you did with with Mark and David and Michelle as you know, as you guys were going through Holy Week, what were some of the things that you did with with him? As we a made sure we didn't talk about the Easter Bunny. Yeah, yeah, that we we really were intentional about yeah. that. In fact, we actually, because of some family traditions, um, I'll have to say on my wife's side, um, uh, we we struggled with, uh, you know, the whole idea of Easter egg hunts and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm not particularly opposed to the great evil of Easter egg hunts. Um, but it does confuse <laughs> the celebration of Holy Week. Right. Um, so we, we tried to, you know, turn that traditional family event uh, at Grandpa and Grandma's house into uh, a little more directed conversations about new life mm-hmm. and how that's seen in, you know, the egg and the birth and those kind of things that we started this podcast with, you know, right. fresh, you know, warmth, growth, life. It's kind of taking place um, all around us during this time of year. Mm. And so we tried to do that with the kids. Um, we, we, you know, later when they were like junior hires and we're going first coming into Sun Valley, we attempted to do some family devotions relating to Advent. I'm not Advent to the the Lent season with them and be a little more focused on that mm-hmm. with those uh, times. 
But when we were at our previous church, uh, that wasn't even on the radar. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like that typical evangelical approach to Holy Week that, I mean, what's Monday Thursday? Yeah. I mean, when we, at the time, I don't think we knew what it was. I had an idea, but it's like, eh, I don't know. Right. Something right. Catholics do. You know, it's kind of the, the response. But, you know, the further into ministry and the life of the church we got, the more we realized how important those kind of things were. Yeah. And Good Friday was always something a little more acceptable <laughs> to evangelicals than Monday, Thursday, for some reason, yeah. um, at least in my experience. Um, but now that we've done what we have over the past 20 years, it's become uh, quite a bit more... Uh, comfortable mm-hmm. and meaningful mm-hmm. and important to mm-hmm. us. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're, uh, what I'm gathering from you two is that we probably won't be doing an Easter egg hunt at Sun Valley anytime soon. No. 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 Okay. Well, we I'm, were thinking of, though, inviting the Easter bunny <laughs> into the service. We got a costume that fits Pastor Rick perfectly most do so (laughs) (laughs) happy easter coming down the center aisle handing out your eggs chocolate eggs i will not not be at the elder meeting after that event um which would also be called the whipping of pastor (laughs) okay so talk to us you are observant jeremy yeah i I have to say that yeah you know you 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 recognized pretty quickly that that's a program we probably wouldn't initiate no yeah that's you know i'm glad you have your own podcast yeah (laughs) it makes sense (laughs) (laughs) so talk to us talk to us about the events of of palm sunday jesus's entrance into the city of jerusalem what's what's all happening not only as he is riding into the town but what's happening as he is in the city of jerusalem uh, what's being fulfilled from Scripture, uh, and and um, how does this? How does this? How do the people go from praising to Jesus, praising Jesus as he enters to wanting him crucified in in five days? I mean, how does that all happen in such a short amount of time? What's what's going on on Palm Sunday? Well, I think um, you know. I think John's gonna. You know, you really enjoyed. Um, bringing out the imagery of what's going on. So I'm going to leave that for John. But just on that last point, um, something that's easy to overlook is that the people who praise him going into Jerusalem, who are hearing him in the temple, those likely are not the same people calling for his crucifixion mm-hmm. before Pilate in the you know the early wee hours of the morning. Mm-hmm. Those people are, you know, in Mark, uh, let's see, Mark 12, Jesus is teaching in the temple during Holy Week, and he said, How can the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? David himself and the Holy Spirit declared, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. Uh, David himself calls him Lord, so how is he his son? And it says, And the great throng heard him gladly. Um, the people who are praising him as Hosanna, it was, you know, you read throughout the Gospels time and time again that the Pharisees, uh, and the Jewish leaders couldn't get to Jesus when they wanted to because the crowds loved him. Hmm. Um, and it says in the account uh, that they had to persuade the crowd to call for his cru- to call for Barabbas to call for his crucifixion. Hmm. So you had low life, you know, low lifes who were gathered with the Pharisees 
to create a riot, mm-hmm. while the people who were praising him, it's probably not the same people. So that's one element we need to keep in mind, yeah. um, that this was a conspiracy, mm-hmm. and it wasn't the sentiment of the common Jew, mm-hmm. necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do that. As you read through Acts, you see the the Jews doing the same thing. They're they're going through, and I, I forgot what city they're in, but they they literally go in to like the city market and they're grabbing like the homeless people, trying to you know stir these guys up so they'll. And know. they go from oh he's a god to oh let's stone him. Yeah, like yeah. in the same encounter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you have against homeless people, Jeremy? What? No, I have I have nothing. It's just it's what Luke says the the. Uh, the, I forgot what the terminology he uses, but it was, it's referring the to... The outcast, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but uh, what, what was Jesus writing into Jerusalem? What was going on there, John? You're right. It's one of my favorite uh, images in uh, the New Testament. And, uh, of course, it's everybody's there for the Passover, right? That's, that's the idea. Mm-hmm. And they want to... Uh, well, they're required to be there. And... And so it was a, a celebration that I think everybody looked forward to every year. Um, it was a time when when families were bringing their their lambs and their sacrifices, doves, whatever they could afford, mostly lambs, hmm. uh, to the temple for that Passover sacrifice, that Passover meal. The, all that was going on. Um, and so this is the setting, of course, set up by God. You know, early on in Jewish history, uh, which is supposed to be a remembrance of the Exodus, the Passover, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when the angel of the Lord passed over the houses of the Jews, and they celebrated that at the time the the sacrifice of the lamb during that Passover period. So that's where the name came from. Mm. And, but it was a it was a high. A season for the Jew also, not only for the Christian now, but for the Jew then. It was the high season, the the day of Passover, and a celebration, a week long celebration, really that began on Palm Sunday, um, the entry of all these people and all their animals into the the city of Jerusalem. And one thing that that I've mentioned uh, often at Sun Valley is that very day when Jesus was riding on the foal of a donkey, which was foretold in the Old Testament that the, the son of David, the king of Israel, would enter on. Uh, so fulfillment of prophecy right there, which is exciting enough. But uh, on that specific day, when all the sheep of all the people were being brought into the city, some estimate, close to 200,000 sheep were entering the city. And the time it takes for 200,000 sheep to enter into the gates of Jerusalem near the temple was an all-day process. So the scholars, the, the commentators that discuss this, you know, especially when they're talking about John chapter 12, uh, believe that he was entering with the sacrificial lambs hmm. on that day, which makes you think back to John chapter 1, verse 29, where John the Baptist introduces Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And, of course, we know from on this side of it that that's exactly what Jesus was doing. Yeah. All of his disciples probably saw it as a, uh, a headache trying to get around all these animals. And, you know, why can't we figure this out some other way, Jesus, and maybe go in the different gate or something? Yeah. Um, 
but he entered in the gate he chose intentionally with the animals and intentionally to demonstrate who he was. He is, in fact, the Lamb of God who came into Jerusalem to take away the sins of the world, to die a sacrificial death on Calvary. Um, Some scholars even believe at the very same time they were sacrificing the lambs. They were the Roman soldiers were sacrificing Jesus literally at the same time. So when the blood was flowing from each of the lambs of these people, it was flowing also from Christ. And you you can't think about that as a believer and not just be overwhelmed with the picture and the meaning and the actual event of the death of Christ, which is, which is, or had been pictured for hundreds and hundreds of years in the Jewish practice of the Passover, which is why God established it mm-hmm. when he did mm-hmm. back in the Exodus. So, which is why he commanded them to do it every single year. You have to do this. If you don't do it, you're cut off from the people of Israel. This is so important. Yeah. You've got to celebrate the Passover. Yeah. Why? Well, because one day the Lamb of God who came from heaven would actually do the same thing and be the fulfillment of all those things. Mm-hmm. Giving of his life to cover of sin, not just cover, Hebrews says, but take away. Mm-hmm. So all the other lambs that had died just covered sins for a season until the next sacrifice. But this Lamb of God took away the sin of his people. Yeah. Which in itself was a greater exodus of a greater yeah. captivity, right. not just right. a physical captivity in Egypt, but spiritual captivity in sin and death. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the connection with Christmas, is that Jesus was born um, where these lambs were raised, in Bethlehem. Yeah. Not just the house of David, in keeping with that you know, Davidic covenant promise, out of his house would come the one. But then, um, I think you were when you were preaching through Genesis, John, you... Uh, made a point of saying that you, um, there's reason to believe that where Christ was crucified was where um, Isaac was spared when right. Abraham was commanded to sacrifice him. On the very to, same mountain, Mount Moriah him. is Mount Calvary. Yep. And so the ram, <laughs> the ram that was provided there, now that takes us way back even earlier than Exodus yeah. to Abraham mm-hmm. and the ram that was provided there. Because on that, you know, on that mountain, it's almost like God had planned this whole thing. Yeah, it's kind of. There's, well, yeah, it seems he really knows how to make a point. Doesn't he? It really seems silly to think that way, but honestly, like when you when you read through these stories, it's like God is actually orchestrating these things for a specific purpose all throughout Scripture, and it's nothing is purposeless when you're reading. The what what do you think? God. Abraham was talking to Isaac about on the way to Mount Moriah. Yeah. It was a three-day journey. Yeah. He was explaining the gospel to him hmm. is what he was doing. That's, that is, we're, those, the gospel truths were flowing from Abraham's lips. Hmm. This is how God is going to save his people. Hmm. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and he says, God will provide, Jehovah Jireh. Mm-hmm. On this mount, God will provide. Yeah, and Hebrews 11 says that he, he believed that God would raise his son back to life. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, so it, it's not hard to become overwhelmed when you think about the entry, you know, that Palm Sunday entry mm-hmm. and everything that flowed out of that. Um, it's just, I, I, I love it. 
And this is it, and that it I think is connects with what we've been talking about for the past few weeks. These are the depths that are in the riches that are in Scripture for us, and they're there for a reason. They're not just they're not tidbits. Mm-hmm. They're not fun facts. Trivia. They're life. Yeah, they're life, and they're meant to to lead us to worship in wonder mm-hmm. at the one who's done this. Well, which is what Paul ends up saying after his explanation of the gospel to the Romans. He goes, oh, the depth and the riches and the knowledge of God. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, the fear of the Lord. Well, it's it's contemplating all this stuff mm-hmm. and, and realizing this is the plan of God since before time began to save his people. Mm-hmm. And for, you know, it's it's easy to to get, you, you hear the question, well, how do I, you know, I don't really feel the fear of the Lord or I don't really reverence and wonder at him. Well, look at this kind of stuff and you will, because that's where, you know, with the Spirit's help, obviously he's the one who opens our eyes to it, but that's there. That's what he's put there. Um, last night, so Cambria is reading through this little devotional that we've got on the bookshelf out there at God, uh, ABCs, God's ABCs. It's by Joel Beakey, and it's a mm-hmm. devotional for little kids. And she's on F. And she came up to me. She's like, "I'm glad I'm reading this." Um, it's talking about the fear of the Lord, and it says that doesn't mean to be afraid of Him. Mm-hmm. It means to to be amazed by Him. And I was like, "I'm really glad you're reading that too, because that's kind of an important <laughs> thing, isn't it? We're not afraid of God, but we're amazed. Mm-hmm. This is the wonder of Christ held yeah, out for us." That's what happened on the Sea of Galilee. That yeah. mega storm, mega calm, <laughs> mega fear. Yeah. It was that reverential, awestruck fear yeah. that the disciples experienced was what Cambria is talking about. Yeah. It's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Who is this that with a word calms the storm and you know, well, yeah, let me yeah. tell you. Yeah. When you take all of this backstory, right, into that gets, we put, see in this moment of the triumphal entry, and then what Holy Week culminates in, I think that's the big answer behind the question of how do, um, how does all this happen? So let's say that, you know, the Jews who are there at the triumphal entry aren't the ones crying out in Pilate's court. And ha- well, that makes, that raises the question even more. How were those Pharisees able to, you know, get this done? you know, with so much scheming, and how'd they pull it off? Well, the answer is actually that they didn't. Uh, I mean, yeah, they had a part in it, but it's what Jesus gets at in the garden when he is betrayed and arrested, and he says, do you not think that I can appeal to my Father, and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? But uh, how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? Mm -hmm. That's the answer to how did it happen. Well, it had to be so, Mm -hmm. because literally all of scripture had been leading to this moment from the Garden of Eden mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. right? Genesis 3.15 on. This Here's had more to happen. more confirmation from Acts 2, verse 23. Um, speaking, uh, and this is Luke recording a sermon uh, by Peter. And Peter says, This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed at the hands of lawless men. That's that rabble group, the lawless men that you were talking yeah. about. Mm-hmm. But who who did it? It said, this Jesus to deliver up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Mm-hmm. The Father did it. God the Father, Jesus' Father, our Father. And then, in case you missed it, uh, he says it again in Acts 4, the very same thing. Um, he goes, 
this is the, they were praying for the release of, of Peter. Um, and in their prayer, they say this, um, for truly in this city were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel to do whatever your hand, speaking to God, they were praying to do whatever your hand and your plan predestined to take place. Mm -hmm. God did it. Mm -hmm. So, which was prophesied back in Isaiah 53. Right. Yeah. Was well, I think it was prophesied in Genesis three fifteen. Right. Yeah. Right. But Isaiah fifty three, <laughs> in living color. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 It's it's fun seeing the providential hand of God at work when you're reading the scriptures. Right. It's it's hard not to, but seeing God's God's work. You know, behind the scenes, in the scenes, God is working through to make sure that His will is being accomplished, uh, and you see that so clearly in during the Holy Week, using free agents to free, do so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Peter, <laughs> Peter, yeah. The God's plan. This happened. Shame on you. Yeah, you know. And then He says that to the Pharisees, and they're like, "Oh my word, what have we done?" <laughs> well, yeah, big picture, little picture. Yeah. So repent and believe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And so you can see these confused. Uh, people in Peter's first sermon there in Jerusalem. Did we or did we not do this? <laughs> yeah. And he then, said and yes. Then, and then Paul, you know, the, you know, the passage that convinced me that Calvinism is true, uh, Romans 9, uh, the, he anticipates the objectors, the snarky kids at the back of the class. Yeah. Uh, you know, if God's doing it, then how are we accountable? Hey, who are you to answer back to God? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's a good, that's a good question. Yeah, Paul's Paul's answer is pretty clear. Yeah, it's this: shut your face. <laughs> I can see Paul saying that too. <laughs> just you see that just, pie hole. Yeah, <laughs> shut it. Uh, there's actually a Doug Wilson in a band that he's in called the Jenny Geds Band. Um, they have a song about that called. Uh, I think it's nothing but clay or something like that. But the the refrain goes, um, "Shut your, shut your, basically shut your face, you rebellious pot. The Lord is God, and you are not. <laughs> <laughs> nothing but clay. Nothing but clay." <laughs> so next Thursday, uh, April fourteenth, we will be celebrating here at the church, Monday Thursday. I'm really excited about that. It's not. That's going to be And great. it's not Monday. It's not on Thursday. Monday. It's, it's not Thursday on Monday or Monday on Thursday. No, it's Monday. Yeah. Do not show up on Monday. Monday. M A U D N Day. D A Y. Monday, Thursday. No, no way. No way. M A U N D Y. D Y. Thursday. That's happening next Thursday here at the church, and it's a church wide event. Is it at 6 o'clock? think so that's that's a good question i think it is i think it's six to seven thirty and next week we're going to be as as a church uh sun valley is going to provide um the food so mm-hmm. you don't need to bring anything just yourselves just yourself and yeah. your family yeah. um you need to you need to make sure your entire small groups there anybody who lives in your neighborhood they need to come um but it's a time that we're going to provide a uh, uh, very simple meal, mm-hmm. soup, 
salad and bread and focus our attention on the command of Christ in John 13. So so what what is what is Monday Thursday? What does it mean first of all? So it's a it comes from the Latin mandat, mandatum which is mandate okay. command and it's the command that came on Thursday from okay. church history, you know, when Christ was in the upper room on Thursday, some say Wednesday night, but that's what it's coming from. The the command that Jesus gave his 12 who were there, probably the 11 by then. But by this all men will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. A new mm-hmm. commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So it's that. Mm-hmm. This is, it's, a, it's a celebration of the command to love one another as brothers and sisters in Christ mm-hmm. and make a, a special occasion of that, yeah, of that command. So a mandatum Thursday, Monday Thursday, mm-hmm. that's what's going on. So, John, I know we talked about this before, but you you really wanted to wash my feet on that Monday Thursday. Was I really wanted to do what? You wanted to wash my feet on on <laughs> Monday Thursday. Well, it's a it's a mutual thing, Jerry. So that's that's how it works. And once you've washed mine, you'll pass out, and I won't need to wash yours. So. Let's just say it's a good thing you're wearing socks under those Birkenstocks. Yeah, socks I think that's actually socks. something to talk about. Washing the feet. washing of the feet, yeah. and why do some churches observe that? Yeah, um, it's because they misunderstand the text. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's why they do that. the The washing of the feet is not the issue. The serving of one another, humble servanthood, is the focus. Right. Not washing of feet. What they needed at that time, in that day, was their feet to be washed because they were dirty. So Jesus did what was necessary. He did what was needed, and that's the idea. That's the focus. Mm. And some people think that there's some uh, mystical value in actually washing someone's feet. That is missing the entire point of the of the the mandate. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It was an illustration. Jesus is washing their feet was an illustration for those men, one that they never forgot. Right. Right. So, because that was the role of the, the house servant of the house. Yeah. Not the role of the master, of the rabbi, no. He was usually the, one, the first one who got his feet washed, and then they went on to the others. But Jesus turned that table completely upside down hmm. and said, no, you need to serve one another. Mm-hmm. You need to love each other, meet each other's needs. Yeah. You know, John, First John 3. Yeah. One of many tables he turned over that week. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that, that, that's a beautiful thing. That's why yeah. we should get together and celebrate it. In the past at Sun Valley, we've done that in our small groups. But in our ancient history at Sun Valley, we used to meet every Monday, Thursday and celebrate right. Monday, Thursday as a church. But in the past, like I said, we, we kind of delegated that to our small groups. But I'm really excited we're actually doing it as a whole church. Yeah. And I really hope everybody will make an effort to come and, and make sure their friends from Sun Valley come. Yeah. It's going to be a great time. It makes, well, it makes more sense that way. It really does. And Are we taking the supper that night? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Lord's Supper, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's that's another way in which we can make the most of of our Holy Week next week is, is being there at Monday, Thursday. 
And I want to conclude this this podcast by looking at the prayers of Christ. Now, on on the the night of Jesus's arrest, we see Jesus praying in the garden. We see him praying, asking his disciples to stay awake and pray with him. Uh, we see him in John seventeen with uh, the Lord's the Lord's prayer there. What 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 do these prayers teach us? specifically how do they help us in our prayer lives as we move through holy week and into you know our our future how does how do the prayers of jesus help us we see it's it's incredible to see what's occupying jesus attention in the moments before he knows he's ending Mm -hmm. right his life is coming to an end Mm -hmm. um he knows why and he's in he's he's in agony to the point, you know, where um, we know he's he's sweating like great drops of blood, right? That amount of agony, and he's praying, uh, Father, if this if there's any other way, you know, let this cut pass. But if not, my not my will but yours be done. Well, there's a prayer. So let's just take that one for example. That shows us the utter commitment of Christ to our salvation mm-hmm. and to doing the Father's will. And that's instructive for us um, in in our worship, in our wonder at who Christ is, that he would love us to that extent, and the fullness of his commitment to doing the will of God, because apart from that, we would have no salvation. His perfect righteousness would not be able to be given to us. Um, so we see his commitment to righteousness to the end. Um, that's instructive for us as we're struggling through obeying um, the will of God to recognize that we even we have a Savior who accomplished our salvation in obedience to the will of God and shows us the utter priority of God above all things. Mm. Um, but then John 17 is just um, kind of the holy of holies, uh, if you will, because just the communion within the Trinity and seeing the relationship of the Eternal Father and the Son through you know in the spirit in that prayer that is inexhaustible for its riches um anyways it, yeah john 17 is uh, um a favorite chapter of mine for obvious reasons but uh um there's there have been a few guys in church history that names we'd rec- we recognize that this is the chapter that they had read to them daily or multiple times a day when they were getting towards the end of their life, just because of the richness and and the the um, manifestation of the Trinity mm-hmm. and the relationship within that Trinity that we see here. I mean, I, I think, if I remember right, we spent at least three or four months just on this chapter six. in John when we were going through it. Eight? Six, I think. Six or eight. Yeah, well, you're probably right. But, I mean, so... I'm not sure how we're going to condense six to eight months of sermons into the next two minutes, Jeremy. But <laughs> appreciate the the uh, the attempt. Um, but I mean, here we we see just this unity between the Father and Son and Spirit. Immunity, this chapter reveals the unity in motive, in mission. The, it, it reveals the the unity in love, in holiness, and in message. Everything that that God is communicating to us, whether through his love or his holiness or his message or his, his 
vision for all things is communicated here in this prayer, mm-hmm. this high priestly prayer. And I'm glad you called it the Lord's Prayer because it's not typically called that. Mm-hmm. Although this is the Lord's Prayer more than the other mm-hmm. that we, we call the Lord's Prayer from Matthew. That's not the Lord's Prayer. It's called the Lord's Prayer, but it's not the Lord's Prayer. He's teaching us how to pray. It's the disciples' it, prayer. It was the dis- right? It's our prayer yeah. in, in Matthew. But here in, Luke, in, in John 17, this is the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. This is actually a record of his final prayer on earth, actually his final recorded prayer other than the one on Calvary, you know, right. that we, we also know of. But this is so substantial. This is... I mean, you you can't get more Trinitarian information anywhere in Scripture than here. Mm-hmm. It's just awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, when we, last year when we got done with um, Psalm one nineteen, and I kind of broke and and taught Romans eight again, I was tempted to take a break and teach John seventeen, but we didn't have enough time. We only had eight weeks between uh, the end of Psalm 119 and Mark, mm. our kickoff, so, uh, or my actual, my, my sabbatical, and Rick took the uh, Lord's, uh, no, um, Sermon on the Mount, and exposited that throughout the summer. But between the time we ended John, I mean, uh, Psalm 119, and Rick took over during my sabbatical time, we had like eight weeks. Mm. And there is no way you're covering John 17 in eight weeks at all. Yeah. I mean, unless you're committed to one chapter per sermon philosophy of preaching. So this is so rich and so full. I wonder how many sermons it took Lloyd-Jones to get through this. 240. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. No, probably, you're probably not far I off. Was, I think it was 243. Um, <laughs> no, I was actually just looking it up on Amazon because uh, there's a really thick book. Uh, that Crossway republished called The Assurance of Our Salvation. Mm-hmm. And it's Lloyd-Jones sermons on John 17. And oh, it's yeah. like a 600, I think it's like a 500-something page book. So, I mean, you, you I dig mean, deep. It's crazy. Yeah. The you, you Just read, take any verse you want. And it, it's, it's three or four sermons, at least, yeah. if you're going to understand it. Yeah. You know, so. so maybe we'll do that. Well, yeah. After Mark. Okay. We'll go to John 17 and spend a few months <laughs> reveling. Called it. Yeah. Or, no, it's, yeah. Well, okay, fine. But listen, this is where we get an understanding of what was accomplished for us, right? On Holy, with Holy Week, when Christ came, that we might know God. My favorite, clearest definition from the Bible about what, it, what eternal life is. Uh, it's not getting into heaven. Mm-hmm. Though that's part of it, right? It's what Jesus says in verse 3. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Mm-hmm. That is what Jesus did. So when someone says, I can't wait for eternal life, say, well... Do you know God now? <laughs> yeah. Jesus, that's... Jesus says, you have eternal life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Believe in the Son, and you have, present tense, eternal life. In order to believe the Son, you have to know Him, which mm-hmm. is what this phrase that Rick just read means knowing Christ knowing God and one of the best ways we can know Christ and God is by studying John 17 well, one of his final prayers yeah. you know just to get back to your question what do we do with the prayers of Christ well 
we get to know God by looking at him. Mm. That would be a great way to make the most holy week. You know, if someone wants a suggestion that's simple, read John 17 every day yeah. of Holy Week. Yeah. Or read the sermons of Lloyd-Jones. Every day yeah, every of Holy day. Week, just 500 <laughs> well, you've pages got, You've a got day. 40 days to get through Holy Week. You can do 500 pages in 40 days. I mean, most people can. You, Jeremy, I'm not sure, but I mean, maybe. I could do it <laughs> I think so. Well, church, we uh, we hope that you do make the most of Holy Week, that you would read the passages that are laid out in the Gospels, that you're reminded of the goodness of Christ, that you would join us for Monday, Thursday, for Good Friday, for Easter Sunday, take advantage of those events, that you'd spend time with your families as you reflect on everything that was accomplished on your behalf because of Christ. Church, we love you. We look forward to being with you this Sunday as we celebrate Palm Sunday and next week on The Voice of the Valley. Have a great day.